Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe. I'm the pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. And we're glad that you've chosen to spend your time, obviously, joining us in our time of uh, the preaching, teaching of the word. I just pray that God would uh, release a spirit of worship in your life today, that even as we teach from the word of God, that you would be aware of the presence of the Lord. And I pray that for every person in this place today. I pray that God's spirit would touch you because God's word is living and active and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. And we know, Lord, as we speak God's word out, that actually power is released. And dear God, we do that today because you are God Almighty. And we're looking forward to what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in the lives of those who actually will be watching this today. And Father, the prayers that you're answering. And we ask these things together in Jesus' name. And so let's pray. The Holy Spirit is here. He is here right now. We want to be aware of His presence. And Holy Spirit, we want and ask that You would come and touch us. We invite You into this place. We ask that You would speak and let me get out of the way and let Your Word and Your truth go forth in power and change our hearts. We ask You, Holy Spirit, that You would come and administer the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ in people's lives. We ask You that... Lord, you would just reveal salvation, touch and impart salvation to those whose hearts are yielded to you, who are asking, receiving, dear God. And we ask you today for miracles in this place and those who are watching, because you are a miracle working God. And we thank you and praise you today. So, Lord, these things you're going to do, and we believe because they are your will. And as we will study here from your word that we ask according to your will, then we know that we have what we've asked for. And so, Lord, give us that blessed assurance as we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In 1 John chapter 5, we're going to look at it again. This is part two. And how to pray uh, in the will of God. And this scripture here we looked at last week. Real simple. But I want to make and break it down for you. Some things that I think are really, obviously, hopefully will be helpful in your prayer life. And as you uh, commune and talk with the Father. Amen. Okay, y'all, anybody can stand if they like. This is always uh, certainly a pr very appropriate and you can say it with me as we uh, speak the word together. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Amen. So last week we talked about it somewhat. You want to have confidence in your prayers, right? If you don't have confidence in your prayers, probably your prayer life will drift. You probably will go through the mechanics of prayer, but you won't be confident that God is going to answer your prayers. Now, all of us in here, if I'd ask you the question, does God, our Father, does He want us to know with confidence that He hears our prayers and that He answers our prayers? Can we say amen to that? Yes, He can. And that's what he desires for us. He he doesn't want us to go wishy-washy through our Christian walk. We have a heavenly father that we can approach the throne of grace. The Bible says with confidence and ask for grace and mercy in our time of need. That word confidence, obviously, is trust. Actually, another word for trust. And so we know that he desires for us to obviously know that he hears us and that he answers. It. And so I want to talk about in regards to how does that all play out last week? We talked about how is it that we can pray in the will of God. And so we the first point we made was is actually what does the Bible say about the matter that we're praying about? And we use the illustration if we are praying for our sanctification, 
We know that's in God's will, right? Sanctification, real simply, is Lord, make me more like Jesus. Now, you all know that that's in God's will. So when we pray that, we know that we obviously have what we ask for. We know that God will answer that prayer. If you're asking God to take away a habit in your life or an addiction in your life, do you believe that's God's will? Yes, it is. He wants you free. Jesus said, I came to set the captive free. And so when we ask that, we can be assured that he will work in that area. Is that he obviously, and sometimes again, we'll talk about the persevering in prayer, but we ask that knowing that it is in his will. And so he, in in that sense, is actually uh, beginning to work something out and obviously wanting that relationship with us and wanting us to um, to pray with confidence. Now, the second thing is, does the request line up with the priorities God has for my life? In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says that we be conformed to the image of His Son. That is His priority. So sometimes God will sort of take away some of the comforts of life for our development. He doesn't always just, hey, you know, everything is good. God blesses us, doesn't He? And we can say amen to that. But He doesn't always. Sometimes uh, He doesn't do what we want Him to do and we wonder why. And what's happening here? But sometimes, obviously, and obviously at all times, he is more concerned about our development. He's more concerned about us being conformed to the image of his son. And he blesses along the way also. Now, when I pray, maybe in some way or another, I'm I'm asking for uh, my stomach to be healed, so to speak. And as I'm praying, I sense that God is telling me that I need to uh, forgive Brother Bob. Okay. Or I may in one way need to do that before he will heal me. And so that sometimes happens because unforgiveness in in a believer's life is very important. We need to obviously stay on top of it. That we don't have grudges against people. That we don't have unforgiveness of people in our hearts. And we need to obviously do that. Because a lot of times that unforgiveness will stifle our healing. Or in one way or another, if you think about it, um, we need to... Uh, if we need to deal with that. In fact, anxiety, again, is a part of sometimes that illness that we have because we know something's not right in our lives and yet we can't pinpoint it and there's anxiety. So it creates some health problems. And forgiveness is one of the main things we need to do. If there's forgive, unforgiveness on your heart today of towards anybody, you can go before the, the throne of grace and say, Lord, I forgive this person for betraying me, for really hurting and wounding me, and uh, doing me wrong and so forth. And you can be released from that burden. So the priority here is whether or not it lines up with what God has for my life. But the third thing is, is does the request fit within the plan God has for my life? So if I was asking God to be an NFL quarterback, okay, you would say, Jim, that's not really God's plan for your life, okay? I mean, you are definitely not NFL quarterback material, okay? And so that would not be, but I'm praying. So I'm not praying in the will of the Father. And so does my request fit within the plan that God has for my life? And, and obviously, am I, am I yielding to that plan? Because I have found, and maybe you have also, that I sort of think that this is what I want to do. And when I go to the Lord and ask Him what He wants me to do, 
they may be in complete contradiction to one another. Have you noticed that? And sometimes when you surrender yourself to the Lord, completely give him your life, which is what a Christian life should be. When Jesus is Lord over your life, then he should have control over every aspect of your life, your home, your family, your finances, your uh, job in the marketplace, uh, your relationships and everything else. It is a total thing for him to be Lord of your life. And when you do that, sometimes it's like he doesn't do exactly what we thought that he would do. It doesn't mean that certainly we have certain gifts that we kind of plug into, definitely. But I know maybe in your life, my life, that uh, he hasn't always done that. But yet he's answered your prayer. And so think about it. Does the request fit within the plan of God for my life? And, and so forth. It's very important to understand that. Now, the main point I want to talk about today is, and it's very important, in understanding about prayer and praying in the will of the Father. The fourth thing. Am I willing to persevere in prayer until I know his will on the matter? Am I willing to persevere in prayer until I know his will in the particular matter that I'm praying about? Are you are you willing to persevere? Because what happens in in all of our lives, we flip a couple prayers out there and then we stop. We take the easy route and we don't continue to persevere and be persistent in prayer because we think that since God didn't answer our prayer immediately, that it must not be in the will of the father. And yet God is calling us to be persistent, to persevere in prayer. How many of you know about perseverance? Amen. Raise your hand. I know about perseverance. You keep on. I want to encourage you today because you have not obviously seen maybe the answer to something you've been praying about. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not in the will of the father that you're doing it. Does that make sense? Does that kind of like give you uh, kind of a wow? Because I thought maybe because my prayer wasn't answered. That obviously it wasn't in the will of the father. So God was not um, not going to answer it in that respect. And we heard here, if you ask anything according to his will, then you'll have what you've asked of him. OK, so we know when we pray that even that, again, may be a time that obviously you continue to pray and persevere in prayer until the breakthrough comes. The breakthrough actually means there is an answer to that prayer. And sometimes it takes time. Now, why is that? Is God stingy? No. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of love. He wants to pour his blessings out upon us. So what's going on during this time? He's building a relationship with you and me. He wants us to come to him. Because see, if I flip the prayer out there and all of a sudden I'd have the answer, then probably that's all I would do. I'd go about my business and I'd go, okay, Lord, I'll see you the next time. Right. But he's looking for a relationship for you and me. And it's important in understanding, again, the common mistake that people make is to ask God uh, something a couple of times and then they give up and they assume that it's not God's will. This is making sense. The tragedy of that is the person's faith is actually slowly undermined. Certainly. And then what happens? You just get into the religious mode and you just pray because you know it's the Christian thing to do. But how many of you in here have persevered in prayer uh, even in the recent past and you have seen that God is, is answering your prayers? Raise your hand. I can. Okay. God is answering that. Okay. And we could have testimony after testimony in here about that because God answers prayer. And sometimes I've mentioned that prayer is answered in increments. 
sometimes they seem to be small increments. You're praying for somebody's salvation. Now, we know that it's God's will that all uh, come to repentance and have eternal life. The word of God is very clear. Some people will choose and say no, but we know it's God's will. And so when we pray for somebody that needs salvation, we can certainly say with all confidence that this is in the will of the Father. And that's a good thing. That would be encouraging for me and you because you're praying for somebody maybe here and you're praying that they would they would receive Christ in their life because you want to see them in heaven. You want to to be able to spend eternity with them, whoever it may be, family member, neighbor or acquaintance or whatever it may be, whoever it may be. And so you keep on praying. Don't give up on that. That is in the will of the Father. I have read stories and I have, have read books over the years, many, many books over the years. And the old saints that prayed and prayed and prayed. And sometimes they prayed all of their lives for a friend to receive salvation. And it didn't come to just till later on in life, really late in life. And sometimes that person was able to see it before they passed on and say, my prayer was answered. Amen. I've shared some stories over the years about that. So that's important. If you've got somebody on your heart today, because you see, again, it's most important that that person knows that they have salvation and that they obviously can 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 go to heaven, they, that they have the peace of God, that they are released from the shame and the guilt. And God can do this if you'll continue to pray. Most importantly here now. Sometimes if we approached anything else and just kind of praying a little bit and then giving up, we really wouldn't have much success, would we? But suppose I began classes, if you think about it, at University of Houston in order to receive a bachelor's degree. I show up for the first class there on Monday with great exuberance. I'm ready to go. And the teacher provides a syllabus for the course and explains some highlights of what we will be doing. And when I get home that evening and take a second look at the syllabus, I realize that I'm supposed to read two chapters in the text and turn in a 10-page paper next Wednesday. But what the problem this is, because I'm planning to go out with my friends tonight and to have a good time. And obviously, uh, certainly I, when I go out like that, obviously, I'm not I, reading the text and I'm not doing the paper. So I'm not really taking it serious and uh, doing what we know this uh, particular degree is is required of me, right? It's the same way with prayers. It takes perseverance, folks. It takes tenacity. It takes persistence in prayer to believe. And I believe somebody in here, and maybe a whole bunch of us are praying for something that we have not seen the direct answer to yet. And I want to encourage you today about this. Is don't give up. Keep on praying. God heard you the first time that you prayed, but certainly is that sometimes it takes that perseverance. Are you praying for somebody? I know you are. I know all of us. I have prayers. I have people and things that I'm praying about here. So persistence is essential to effective prayer because really we, we tend to forget, give up. And sometimes I believe we give up right before the answer comes. We prayed and prayed and finally we're exhausted. We just go, I give up here. It must not be what God wants. And God is just saying, hang in there and keep on praying. So let me just mention here, and this is what I want to talk about, understanding. Persisting in prayer can lead to a better understanding of God's will in the matter. And let me uh, share this scripture with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Y'all know the scripture. 
to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations. The Apostle Paul is talking here, okay? There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The Apostle Paul, he obviously wrote this. And you know the Apostle Paul, he got his prayers answered, didn't he? But in this case, he prayed and he pleaded with the Lord to take this. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh is, really. I think possibly it was a demon that was actually tormenting him. Uh, some people will always say that his eyesight, they, they, we don't really know. And there's no certainty in that. But something was harassing me. And it was a messenger of Satan. So somebody, Satan sent someone his way to harass him. Okay, and so God, he pleaded with the Lord three times, but yet he did not answer that prayer in the way that God thought he would answer it. Because what he said was actually a little bit further. He said, uh, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay, So he didn't answer God's Paul's prayer in the way that we thought he would, but he answered God uh, Paul's prayer because he said, my grace is sufficient for you. You're praying today and you're saying, Lord, uh, I'm not getting an answer. It may be that God is actually saying my grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness, his power is made perfect. I've told some people sometimes I would talk to people at the end of their life in hospice. They were terminally ill and I would share in the appropriate manner that I thought and also sensitively. But I said, did you know God's power is made perfect in your weakness? And they look at me like, are you kidding me? And that doesn't sound contradictory, doesn't it? It sounds like not the way the world teaches us because the world says, you got to be strong, man. You got to be strong. You got to do this and that, doesn't it? Doesn't the world teach us that? And yet the Bible says, in your weakest time, he's the strongest. His power is made perfect in your weakness. And it's kind of like, I don't like that. Why? It's because in our weakness, we're totally dependent upon the Lord. Otherwise, we go, I can do this. I'll handle this, Lord. And the next time I need you, I'll call on you. And in reality, we need him every moment of every day. And that's the whole thing about it. So the Apostle Paul is actually, he's struggling with this here. And he, can, he, he said, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be depart from me. And he prayed expecting God to answer the prayer. And uh, he kept on praying. Now listen, this is important. He prayed on until God told him why. He didn't answer his prayer the way that he thought he would answer it. I want to encourage you, keep praying until God tells you why he's not answering it. And if he does not tell you why he's not answering it the way you think, then you keep on praying. You keep on praying. The Apostle Paul prayed three times, and we know that obviously it's very important to understand that perseverance is there. And so he kept on praying. Keep on praying. Everybody getting this? Keep on praying. Something you're praying for. You know what I'm praying for? praying obviously for salvation <clears throat> for people but i'm also praying for revival and i sometimes look and i look around me and, and i think revival there's no way that revival can come but you see god has not told me why he's not sending revival 
Because it looks like things are getting darker in our country. It looks like things are getting darker in families, in our society, in our culture, doesn't it? I mean, that's pretty evident to everybody, right? Well, spiritually, we need to keep on praying for revival. Because it's the only answer. Jesus is the only answer to this issue. It's not another political party. And it's not a change of this or change of that. It's actually Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen. Amen. And we need to keep praying. Because revival, I believe, will come if we believe. And we keep trusting Him. Because I believe it's God's will that He renews and revives His people. I believe He says He wishes none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. And if that's His will then we know that we pray within His will. Why does He delay? He's not told me. I have seen things getting worse. The more I pray, the worse it looks like it's getting. Anybody experiencing that? The more you pray, and I've been talking about this as long as I've been with you, the years I've been with you. And every time I pray, it looks like things get worse. And I turn on the television set, which I shouldn't do, okay? And I look, and it looks worse to me. Amen. Amen. But I want to tell you, It spurs me on. And I want to encourage you today that God's fire would fall on you. And God would ignite and and just ignite something, a passion down deep in your life to pray like you've never prayed before. I believe He's going to do this. And I ask God to just release that in this place, Father. In Jesus' name. In the Garden of Gethsemane, remember Jesus prayed that He be spared the horrors of the cross. And He said, Oh, my Father, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And the cup was not just a physical death. It was becoming the sin offering, carry the sin of the world as a sacrifice. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, then let this uh, pass from me. But he said, not as I will, but thy will be done. Amen. So Jesus was pleading with the father. The father answered in a different way. In Luke 22, verse 44, it says, he describes his prayer in this way. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and then his sweat became the, the, like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Never was there a more intense prayer than what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed and pleaded, but he didn't get his prayer answered the way that maybe he thought he would. But he knew he had came to be the sacrificial lamb of God to die for the sins of the world, to take your sins and my sins upon him. That I would have eternal life with him. It's the only way. The world thinks that we're crazy when we say these types of things. And they say, we talk too much about the blood. But without the blood, there no, can be no rem- the shedding of blood. There can be no remission of sin. The blood, the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all of our sins. And Jesus pleaded with the Father. But he said, not my will but thy will be done. It's important to understand that. Both Jesus and Paul prayed until resolution came from the Father. It was answered in a different way, but they kept on praying here. So it's important to understand that. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Remember this? Remember the story? In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. And so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. He pleaded with him. He wanted to pray. He's praying in God's will. In other words, 
when Israel was taken into captivity into Babylon, okay, Daniel knew the time period would be 70 years. Everybody got that. And so Daniel started praying there during that time that God would fulfill what he had said through the prophet Jeremiah, that it would be 70 years. He said, Lord, you promised him, take them out in 70 years. And he began to pray like that, okay, and continue to pray and, and so forth. And, and so you think about it. His prayer was not getting answered. So what was it that was actually happening? And what we're studying on this particular, uh, uh, particular uh, issue is persisting in prayer may be necessary because of spiritual resistance. Do you know what happened there in verse 12? It says, uh, do not fear, Daniel, from uh, the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. What he's saying is, his prayers were being hindered by demonic forces. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes you don't get your prayers answered because there are demonic forces that are keeping that answer from being fulfilled. And yet, if you keep on praying, and Daniel was a man of prayer, and the Bible is real clear about that, but yet his prayers were being hindered. And so actually what helped was actually angels came and helped. And that kings of Persia were demonic forces that were there preventing Daniel's prayers from being answered. That's hard to really grasp and understanding how that works. I understand. But certainly that can be the case. There can be uh, a spiritual resistance in that way. So you're saying, why is my prayer not getting answered? See, what happens is you're praying for somebody's salvation, for example. Do you believe today that Satan wants your loved one to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know that he came and he will do all he can to keep you and me from sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with other people? Do you know that he'll do all he can to keep your prayers from being answered? Because when those prayers are answered and that person is convicted that you've been praying about in their hearts, and they come to repentance and asking Jesus Christ to come in and be their Lord and Savior, do you know He will do all He can to try to hinder that? We understand that, don't we? And this was what was happening. Daniel was a praying man, and yet his prayers were being hindered because of those demonic forces that are going on. You know, we, we are living, obviously, there's, a, there's another realm here, folks. It is a realm where there's a battle that's going on. And I believe the angels of, of God are doing battle against the demonic forces that are there. The fallen angels that obviously uh, rebelled against God in heaven and were cast down to the earth. There is a war going on. And when you have certain thoughts that you know are not from you, or maybe there are things that you're going, where did that come from? Maybe it can be something that you're like, whoa, out of the clear blue. More than likely the enemy is kind of tormenting you. More than likely the, ten the enemy is putting thoughts in your mind. When people, obviously, you see on TV and they do something really horrendous and they go, I really didn't know there, there was a voice telling me to do it. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> You've heard that many times, haven't you? You know what that voice is? That's Satan. 
telling them to do this, kill this person, or destroy this and that, you see. Because the Bible says in John chapter 10 that Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. And so he'll do all he can to keep your prayer from being answered because you're praying for somebody for salvation. And we need to keep on persevering because we know God will fight for us. We know it's within the will of the Father to do that, 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 that yet we sometimes give up because we think, Lord, they're too far gone. No, they're not. I've given testimony of family members and Jesus can save them. I want to tell you why. It's because He loves them. He loves people. He loves people. And He wants people to come to repentance. That's a choice we make. And it's a choice you make. But we know He wants to. But it's a war. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I've talked about it for the weapons of our warfare, not carnal. They're not like guns and obviously concealed weapons, okay? They're actually, our weapon is prayer. Our weapon can tear down those strongholds. And our weapon can pray and bring people into the kingdom of God. And our weapon is prayer that we're praying for a situation in here today. Don't give up. Keep on praying. God heard you the first time. But there's resistance going on. But what happens again, we have a tendency. Well, must not be in God's will. So I just give up here. The next item is persisting in prayer, obviously, is an expression of faith that can bring us to an answer. In Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable, and a parable is a story, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Jesus is telling us. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What's he saying? That you got to badger God like this unjust judge actually was being badgered until you wear God down? No, he's not saying that at all. Actually, it's just the opposite. We serve a loving God who is ready and willing to answer our prayers, but we come before him. And so what he's saying here actually is, is giving us a principle that we keep on. And that is the principle of persistence. And so he's saying, if this unjust judge who doesn't care about anybody but himself, is willing to answer, he's going, how much more of your Heavenly Father who loves you and who wants to answer your prayers will answer your prayers if you continue to persist and come to Him and, and beseech Him to do and calling upon His name. You see, the opposite is true here. He's not unjust. You're not wearing Him down. You're not obviously trying to badger Him into answer your prayer. It's just the opposite, actually. And so it's sort of paradoxical in the way to understand it here. Our Heavenly Father is more willing than you can ever realize to answer your prayers. But we've got to pray. You see, then at the end, Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith? Will I find faith 
for those that believe me that will continue on believing me and keep on praying. I believe, folks, I'll be honest, I believe there's a prayer movement all over the world today. It's been going on for some time. But I believe there are churches, obviously, and I know of churches that are praying 24-7. They actually have people playing worship and prayer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And people come and go as they come in under their schedules and so forth. But they actually have it in place to do that. And they're praying for revival. They're praying for an awakening across this land. They're actually praying for a reformation. We need reformation, folks, really. The church needs to be reformed. And certainly I believe that God is waiting on you and He's waiting on me. He's waiting on Lighthouse Fellowship and He's waiting on the next church down the street to pray, to see the importance. But we've got to take it seriously. And I've got to make sure, obviously, that I'm playing my part. And it may be that you think, well, my prayers are so weak. Let me tell you, God hears your weak prayers. You may feel like, I don't know how to pray. God will teach you, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father, I come before you, our holy God. Hallowed, holy is your name, O God. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses if we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever. Come to him. And you come to him just like you are. Don't try to pray a preacher's prayer. You can't. Certainly you can, but that's not required. You come humbly saying, Father, please help me. I need help in this life. I need you desperately in my life. And I want and need your help. Prayer is the answer. But you got to persist, you see. He says, pray and don't faint. Don't give up. Jesus is telling us, don't faint. Don't give up. There are things we're praying for in here. You are. I am. And we shouldn't ever give up. And this contrast here, and that old run just mean old judge going to do what that lady and finally give it to that lady, then how much more is your Heavenly Father going to answer your prayers and bless your life? That's who He is. He's not an unjust judge. He's not stingy. He has all the abundance of anything we would ever need and way, way, way beyond. And yet sometimes we just pray a little bit and give up. What are you praying for? What is it that you're asking God for? Can you go back and revisit things that maybe you've given up on because you said, well, maybe it's not God's will. He hadn't answered my prayer right away. You see, don't give up. Prayer is that communion, that fellowship with the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit that we need desperately and we need it now. God will answer our prayer, but He expects us to operate in faith, believing here. When I, the Messiah, return, how many will I find who have faith and are praying here? Persistence here of the widow. She kept on. Power and the principle of persistence. This makes sense? Isn't it good? Encouraging. Keep on praying. You're praying. God heard you. Um, a pastor here um, that started the vineyard movement, John Wimber. I went to his church out in Anaheim in 1990. It's a warehouse, big old warehouse out there. It's probably, I don't know, six, 7,000 people in there. And just a warehouse. He didn't have a formal cathedral church. It was just a warehouse. I went out there and people were, I mean, just worship was powerful and, and all. And John, he actually was a friend's pastor for some time before he went and started the vineyard movement here. And John actually believed and got convicted that God healed people. 
And he would pray with others. And they prayed their hearts out for people with no result. And he tells about an incident that occurred after about 10 straight months with no success. He was praying. Nothing was happening. He and a few others were praying for a man and nothing was happening. And after two hours of praying for the guy, Wimber fell on his face on the floor in despair. And he, he was weeping and screaming. And he said, it's not fair, God. You tell us and teach us what your book says, but you don't back it up with, with acting. And here we are, we're doing the best that we can and nothing's happening. You tell us to believe in healing and pray for healing, but you're not doing anything. And he says, oh God, it's not fair. And the man didn't get healed. But the next person that Wimber prayed for got healed. And 10 months with no results, then a breakthrough came. And obviously you know the story. God used him in healing and the healing movement. But he prayed and prayed. And sometimes you think, I'm not seeing anything. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, God's name is Jehovah Rapha, which means God is our healer. He's our healer. That's his name. He will back up his name. He obviously, uh, by his stripes, we have been healed. Isaiah chapter 53. We've been healed. Okay, now let me mention here. Sometimes the healing doesn't come like what we want. Okay? But we don't give up. And we pray. Because why would we pray anyway? We pray for healing for people in here. And the young guy here getting healed. There are people healed. There are people all along. Don't give up. God doesn't heal always like what you think he would and so forth. And it's not necessarily, obviously, uh, indic uh, indication of a lack of faith or anything like that. So we don't take condemnation because there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But we've got to have confidence when we pray for these people for healing. We mentioned several people here that needed healing just in the beginning of the service. And you're praying for people. We need to obviously pray and not think. Because sometimes, obviously, that ultimate healing comes. We have people go home to be with the Lord. That, uh, that experience the ultimate, the highest healing that you can ha have. But the main thing is to pray and don't give up. Uh, you remember the situation there in... Uh, Actually, with Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God. Um, and he prayed. He was used of the Lord as a prophet, a powerful prophet. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain. So it didn't rain. And then he prayed that it, it would rain. You remember how the story goes there? And so he began to pray after, I think it was three and a half years. And he began to pray that it would rain. Needed rain for, obviously, I'm sure, crops and so forth, the food. And remember what happened? Elijah put his head between his knees and began to cry out to the Lord. Lord, let it rain. Let it rain. And nothing happened. So he took and his servant. He said, go and look up there and look and see if you see anything. And the servant came back and said, I don't see anything. And so he went back to praying again. He kept praying. And each time he prayed, he would send the servant, his assistant, to go back and look. Do you see anything? Mm -mm, don't see anything. But he kept praying, kept praying. And the seventh time, which is a sign of completeness, seven to number seven, he said, go back. After he prayed, he said, go back and look. Do you see anything? And he says, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand in the distance. And he said, get ready. It's going to rain. And there had a deluge of rain. Now, this is a prophet of God. 
And you think, yeah, Jim, but he's a prophet. I'm not a prophet in that. You've got God's anointing on you. I want to tell you right now. Everybody sitting here, if you're a believer and you've accepted, you're, you're walking with the Lord. Jesus is the Lord of your life. You have God's anointing upon your life. And that is the power to do what he calls you to do. Okay? You have his anointing. Don't let the devil tell you anything else. If you need to get come straight, come up here and talk to me about salvation. And if you're not saved and you need to come forward, I'm here always. Talk to me. If you're convicted and you're not sure that you're saved, then come forward. Let me, let's make that. Let's get it straight. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Okay. And so, but if you're a believer, then God's anointing is on your life. You can pray. God hears your prayers. And God is obviously going to answer in his way, in his timing. Has to be that way. So he says, don't give up. Elijah had to keep praying. Paul kept praying. Jesus prayed. Take this cup. But not my will, but your will be done. The fourth thing is persisting in prayer is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Realize that we can't do this on our own. But see, we have the Holy Spirit in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within you and me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you and me as a believer. It's like, wow. Wow, I have power in my life to live the Christian life. You can't live the Christian life in the way God would be pleasing unto the Father without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's no way. There's the, the enemy's too strong. But you see, God is stronger. And you have the Holy Spirit. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. You got to realize that. You can pray, but you don't give up. Elijah didn't give up. All that cloud coming, here we come. And yet it continued until there was a deluge. We've had a deluge here recently, haven't we? Has somebody been praying for rain? <laughs> somebody in here has been praying for rain. But we got some rain, didn't we? Okay. We had a couple of deluges this week and uh, it has rained. Let me just encourage you with something. We're closed. Likewise, the Spirit is Romans chapter 8. Also helps us with our weakness. The Holy Spirit living within you helps us with our weaknesses. For we don't know what we should pray for as we all. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession. means he intercedes, he prays for us, the saints, according to the will of God. The Spirit's praying perfectly and the Spirit will help you. And so what I've asked the Spirit to do, and I encourage you to do also, and I share this with you because I, I want everybody to, to experience the blessings of the Lord, uh, I've asked that this Holy Spirit to help me pray. Can you do that? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to pray. Watch what happens to your prayer life. Ask Him. He's with you to help her. He's our helper. He's our, uh, our comforter, our encourager, our power, presence. He is a person. He's with you. He's here right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. And we pray, and Lord, may we be more aware of your presence. See, that's just the thing. In the uh, messages this past week, the pastor shared there were four foundations to the church. Four foundations, actually, to the church. The first foundation is grace, which actually Jesus gives. Grace is unmerited favor. You cannot earn salvation, neither can I. It's just a gift. And that's why we just receive 
It's grace, okay? And you know, we obviously give grace to people and we forgive them, right? Because a lot of people out there, man, we're in this world and a lot of things going on and we forgive them. And you know that the power of forgiveness, right? But I want to ask you today, if you've accepted Christ in your life, you know that was an act of God's grace when you received Christ. That wasn't anything you did to earn it. You just received it because Jesus extended his hand to you because he loves you and he wants to live etern eternity with you. Okay. But the question is, have you given uh, yourself grace since you got saved? Have you? A lot of Christians walk around with shame and guilt after they're saved. They're truly saved. They've accepted Christ. But they carry shame and guilt afterwards because we know we're not perfect. We know we stumble and fall. And we know, obviously, there are things that happen in our lives after we get saved. And we've come and asked the Father, forgive me, Father. Forgive me, I, I've sinned against you. And then we carry that shame. And the devil wants you to carry that shame and guilt. But what he wants you to know is, is that you've got to give yourself grace. You give grace to other people who've said things, bad things about you and forgiven them. And you've walked on. Why haven't you given yourself grace? And said, Lord, it's under the blood. You remember here some time ago, I was telling you I was dealing with some things God was dealing with in my life. And I told you, uh, he brought it to mind. He, and I shared him. I said, Lord, I, please forgive me for that. I, I repent of that and I turn away. And remember the vision he gave me I shared with you? The vision was, as I saw the blood of Jesus. And it was a vision there and I saw it. And then, but I knew all of my sins were under that blood. I couldn't see them but I knew they were there. It's the same for you and me as Christians. Your sins are under the blood. But what the accuser of the brethren, the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, will he'll continue to accuse you, to keep you down, depressed, anxious, without hope. All of these things are of the devil. But you need to give yourself grace because it's grace from the beginning and it will be grace till the end. It's all Jesus, folks. It's not you. And yes, I, my behavior, I need to, my behavior to line up with the word of God. And yes, he's sanctifying me, but he's not finished yet. Is he finished with you? No. He's not done. I'm in process. And along the way, I have to give myself grace and say, Lord, it's under the blood. God doesn't see it. And he doesn't ever bring it up again. Anybody relate to this? You can just say, yeah, OK. The second foundation is prayer. Prayer is war. Prayer is warfare. And you pray. And you pray and you go, I don't know how to pray. Let me just encourage you to do something to show up. You showed up here today, right? You didn't show up here today because somehow, hey, yeah, I felt well, I feel just I've got I got to go. I got to go. Now you're here because God's got something special for you. You're showing up. You're making a statement today by coming in the church house. You know how many people who are not in the church house in this immediate vicinity? There are people still. This is my day. I need to relax. I don't want to go to the church. I'm tired. I want to hear the preacher. He preached. All he talks about is money anyway. That's what the lie is, okay? I very seldom talk about money. 
Okay. God can tell you what to give. Okay. Um, prayer. Uh, the other thing is servanthood. The other point, foundation is servanthood. And actually, that is humility. Okay. The old, more we walk with the Lord, we become becoming more and more humble. Billy Graham, everybody knows a good example. Billy Graham died at 99 years old. Okay. And you know how many people God used him. Used, he was a vessel. And he used him to uh, preach the gospel. Many people got saved under his ministry, right? And the last three years of his life, he muttered these three words continually. From what I understand, the story's right, is four words. It was all him. It was all him. It was all him. We realize we're just vessels. We're just instruments. And we just serve. But it's not us. It's Jesus. It's yielding our lives to him and serving people. The other foundation is worship. Worship. You know, the Bible talks about that really everything that we do should be an act of worship. But we come in here and corporately worship. And actually, the word is abandonment. I no longer own my life. So when you come in here, I just encourage you, abandon yourself. Give it to yourself to the Lord and praise Him and worship Him. Because He is worthy of our worship. Just abandon yourself. Don't worry about what someone else thinks. Don't worry about what someone else say, uh, says. Abandonment is totally releasing yourself into the hands of the Lord. Because we're worshiping the King. We're not going through some type of religious motion that we do every Sunday. We come abandoned to Him. Amen? Amen. I just pray this week that you would maybe, God would bring back to you uh, maybe somebody or some situation that you just kind of gave up on because you didn't see the answer to prayer. Maybe this week is that obviously you'll kind of revisit that and begin to pray. And pray. Because when you pray, power is released. Power. Power is released when you pray. And God waits upon His people to pray. The Bible says, Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Now, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But when we gather, this place, Lighthouse Fellowship, should be a house of prayer. And so, obviously, we can make that if we'll participate. Because all he wants us to do is partner with him. It's him anyway. Don't you just want to partner with God? Don't you want to just say, Lord, I'm a candidate here. I want to be with you. I want to do it. Can't you just say that? Amen. Amen. That's who our God is. Don't give up. We give up too easy. And the answer's coming. I pray that even God has brought something to your mind now. That... Maybe you need to revisit a person that you think I've given up on or situation you've given up on that you'll go back to, to prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your your just love beyond what we can understand. You did that by sending Jesus. Father, we know that Jesus is saying, well, when he returns, will we find faith on this earth. People are praying. People are calling upon you, Lord. Because when we pray, power is released. 
We pray for these today that have been mentioned for healing in Jesus' name. We pray for peace in people's hearts that are anxious about everything that's going on because COVID, here we go. Because all the things we see people being taken home because of the COVID and many other reasons. And we pray for peace and comfort. We pray today, Father, for situations that look like they're hopeless and they're not correctable. And we pray, Lord, that you change it. We pray, Father, I ask you to stir our faith to believe you uh, against all what we see as odds because it's not odds to you, Lord. And take that away, dear God, and let us pray, Lord, without any type of restrictions, just calling and crying out to you. If you wake us up in the middle of the night, Lord, help us to get up and pray. And we need to pray, Lord. I ask you to release a spirit of prayer in this place today. And those who are watching, a spirit of prayer to blanket their homes and, Lord, their their, uh, workplaces, the places they go, Lord. I ask you to release a spirit of prayer across this land. Because, dear God, we know how desperate we need you. Father, we thank you. We pray and not give up. We have faith. We have that blessed assurance and confidence because you, Lord, are the one that started this thing. So we believe you, Lord. Help our unbelief. We praise you, Father. Bless us, use us for your glory. If there be anyone who has not received Jesus, today may be the day. If there's someone that really just needs to rededicate their lives, just needs to come and say, I want to know. I've I've walked with the Lord partially, but I want Him to be Lord of my life. Today may be the day to just make make it public. Make it before people. When you do that, it sets you free. Dear God, help us as we journey through this life with Jesus hand in hand. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. Come back to join us. And I know God has kind of a word. It's going to be centered around prayer. So come back and I pray this word has been encouraging to you. Have a great week. God bless.